see three of you. I'm sure you're out there somewhere, though, but um, welcome. And um, today we're continuing our series on faith. And uh, some have been watching online and, and uh, have noticed that what's online can be quite different, never more so than today. Uh, what's online today has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about. Um, that's just one of the hurdles I've got to get over, I guess, when it, when it comes to being able to prepare something worth watching online in a different format. And then you get to Saturday night or Sunday morning, I literally rewrote half of my message um, just before I came into the auditorium today. So uh, um, it just happens. You've just got to run with it. So we're talking about faith, and I guess that's an example of living by faith. But if I surveyed this room, and if we had the time, and I would love to actually have the time, I'd love to be able to workshop this, is to, is to get out of you your expression of faith. What does faith mean to you? What does faith life mean to you? What does it mean to be a person of faith? Does it just mean to you, well, I have faith that God exists? Well, welcome to a large club there. The devil's one of those as well. Um, but that doesn't mean he's a Christian. It doesn't mean he's going to heaven. Believing in your head is important, but it's not all. Faith is an active word. It means I rely on him, relying on him for salvation and relying on him for life. In this room, we have people who've come from very broad spectrums, uh, comparable to my own, atheism, which where I started. Uh, actually, no, I, I, went, I, was Catholic, I was born Catholic. You wouldn't have known that, but Patrick Hegarty, eh? <laughs> he was born Catholic. I was, I was the, one of two people in my primary school of 1400 uh, that was in the Catholic RI class. So I changed face to be Protestant because that's where all the good-looking girls were. Um, and when you're seven, that's the thing, you know. So, uh, uh, so but then I, then I found my real roots and, be, and became a hardcore atheist. And um, then I uh, became a, a, a Baptist, Christian, Orthodox person uh, at 19. Um, but in this room, there are Catholics, there are brethren, Presbyterians, there are unbelievers, there are all sorts of people in this room. What is faith to you? What does faith really mean? So I just want to tackle it. And we had a great message last week where um, our own Sandy Bickerton talked about the different facets of faith, faith that, faith uh, in, you know, faith that God's word is true, faith that Jesus died for our sin and so on, the, the foundations of our faith. And then faith in the relational aspect, faith in God himself and his nature and so on. But today I want to launch off that and really go where angels and wise men normally fear to tread and just talk about faith for. What, do we, what are we legitimately able to have faith for? Because this becomes so often in church world where the train wrecks start to happen. I had faith for and what I had faith for didn't happen. So how can I have faith in and, and what about faith that? Because this didn't work and something derails there. So let's, let's go into, into the probably the best expression of this in the New Testament. And the setting here is in Mark chapter 9. And there's a guy. So Jesus, he's not just a conversation. Jesus is a real man walking the planet. He's there. You can rub shoulders with him. Wherever he goes, miracles happen. He ruins every funeral he comes across, even his own. Lame walk, blind see, all the stuff goes on. And this man, beyond all hope, has a son who's... Uh, in this language, possessed by a demon, rolls into a fire, frosts at the mouth, does all this sorts of thing. And he said, here's my hope. Here's the guy. And so he knows God can. There's no mistake and God can do anything. He's just not sure, will God do anything? And can we not relate to this? Have you not had that moment? So let's dive into it and look at how he comes across this with Jesus. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son. So just before this, he's brought the son to the disciples. They've been authorized to deal with this stuff. 
and they've had a win before. So the stories are out. The disciples are, are the next best thing. If you can't get to Jesus, get to the disciples. So they've done their thing and it hasn't worked. Worked before. I've been given authority. I'm the same guy I was yesterday. This isn't working. Faith worked yesterday. Faith isn't working today. So now the disciples are upset. They're frustrated. What's the go with this? The man's upset and now Jesus gets upset. I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. I love Jesus' response. Oh, unbelieving generation. He just nails it straight back to this is a faith issue. Faith is a problem here. A lack of faith is causing this roadblock. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? That's New Testament NIV language for, oh man, when are you guys going to get this? It's really, really simple. And his expectation on those who claim to believe, he never ever lowers it. He says, if you believe, this, these things will happen. Mountains will move and all this, because I'm the one who does it. It's not the size of your faith, it's, it's your faith in me. And so he said, after three years, why haven't you got it? So they brought him and when, Jesus, when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? I just love the way he just took the time to go, let's just calm down here. Let's just follow the process here. Let's see how faith works out. Let me show this to you. And he asks a discerning question. And sometimes we, get it, we feel like we've got to, okay, let's just stop this and let's all pray. But there's a time to diagnose. There's a time to say, okay, what's really going on here? Let's, let's just see what the Lord's doing here. So he asks the question. From childhood, the father answered. It's been throwing, it has thrown him often into the fire or water to kill him. Here it is. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I would, now, here's where I love the Instagram of, of Jesus' face. If you can. Was he going, if I can? Was he going, if you can? I, I mean, what was his posture right there? Was it, you know, we, we will often reflect ourselves on what we want him to Would it be grace, purely, purely compassion? Would it be a little bit of frustration? Would it be indignity? You know, it's like, if... I wonder what he would look like. Everything is possible for the one who believes, for the one who has faith. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. I've got this faith thing. Help me overcome this unbelief. Faith, lack of faith. I'm managing the whole thing. Anyone here relate to that at all? I believe. Man, I've pegged my whole life on this thing that I believe. You know, I do believe. It's just like I can't figure you out, God, because there's an inconsistency about what you seem to do. Just make A plus B equals, and, and C equals D. Just do it consistent every time and we'll all be happy. But what's this? I pray sometimes it works. I pray other times it doesn't think. Help me with my unbelief. In other words, Jesus, explain yourself. Help me. And so you and I go through these times. I would be incredibly surprised, regardless of how high your faith tide has come in through your life, if you haven't had a moment where the tide's gone out where you've had a faith fail, a crisis of belief. Often it starts, uh, very often it starts for the zealous young adults, and I don't know how many I've had in my, in my office over the years where they've gone to the mission field believing God's called them to transform a nation or, or God's going to give me a spouse in six months' time this, and nothing's happened, all this sort of thing. And their faith begins to fail because they were convinced that there was a word that was given to them. Or, that, or a preacher like me is coming up and, and given a simplistic theology and said, God will and God will, and we're going, yes, I believe, and we've laid our life on the line for that, as we so often do, 
and it actually hasn't worked out and it's damaged me and my family and the people around me and my, my faith is gone and I don't know where to go with this anymore. I believe in you, God. Just help me with the unbelief thing. Otherwise, I'm, I'm tapping out. Not of faith, but just of this big faith thing. That's why John the Baptist came to Jesus or sent his disciples. We saw last week. Are you the one? Because, man, you promised you'd set the captives free, but I'm in prison now. Are you the one I'm going to believe in? So a failure of what we have faith in becomes a crisis of belief. We don't stop believing in God, but we just don't know what to have faith in and how to have that faith in. But let me be crystal clear. If God says something, it will happen. It does happen. You take it to the bank. There has not been in my life, and, I, and mine life's longer than many here, but there has not been one promise, and I've received scores of them, that has not been fulfilled. My prayer now is, Lord, give me some more promises, otherwise I must be due to pass away soon. Because uh, I tell you, they've all, they've all come true. Amazing, incredible. Some of them have taken 30 years. Some 10, some 5, some 3 minutes. But every promise has come true. Impossibly. Only God could have made them come true in that way. But our ability to know where and how they come true means that our ability to apply faith becomes inconsistent. So let me give you the principle here, the paradigm of, the, of faith is that it's not a, a switch that you flick on, it's not a door that suddenly opens into a faith life, it's a journey that we traverse. Faith grows, like everything in the kingdom, because faith is a partnership. God never changes. God's the big one. God's the one who does all the work, but our, he partners with us, and our faith starts small, and like everything else, it needs to be watered and grown and cultivated in our life. Our ability to partner with him grows over time. And so it's, it's, we call it sanctification. I mean, a, the definition of what is a mature believer, if you read Paul's writings and you, you synthesize it and distill it down, what he's saying is those who are the most mature are those who have the most faith to rely on how to live from God. That's maturity in the Christian walk. It's, I'm not doing it in my own strength. I'm living from him, not just for him. That's, that's very simple in the way I've delivered that, but you, you study it. So on this road, we come to Forks. Often we come to the forks in the road and there are two ways we can go and you'll have come across these forks. One is a fork of stuckness. It's where I just don't know where to go now. I'm just going to sit there and this, this fork, it's got a bit of a cul-de-sac at the end and that's about as far as I go. The other fork is one of growth where we grow our faith. And if I choose the fork of stuckness because I'm offended in my spirit, I'm offended and I'm disappointed at God, if I choose that stuck path, then to stay there and to legitimise that in my life, I have to begin to rewrite and redefine what is true. Because so much of the New Testament is crystal clear on this. Have faith, move mountains, do all the stuff. So what we need to do is, if I'm going to stay on the stuck fork, is to lower the bar on what is valid to believe for. I've got to construct Christianity into something of works without wonder because it justifies the fact that I've lost my faith, I've lost my joy, I have no peace anymore because the circumstances blow me around. We become sanitised, we become safe, and if we're not careful, very cynical in the end. Now, there'll be many in the room that are like that, and I understand. I've had my time there as well. But if I choose the other path, where growth is a trajectory, it's a direction that we go in, it comes with it a whole heap of dynamics. Growth dynamics. Dynamics means it's moving, it's forming, it's changing. There's a wrestling going on. There's a victory to be had. There's things to learn and so on. There's a, tr there's a, a culture on the path of growth faith. And we're called to that path. Make no mistake. We're called to grow along that path of faith. 
and there are hills that go up on any path. It's not just flat and straight. It's a path where there are hills, and if you do exercise, I'm a little bit of a cyclist again now, I'm slowly getting back into the bike, and I remember this thing called the grind. There's, there are times where you see a little hill and you, it's a, called a pinch and you just pinch it, you punch over the pinch. It's like, I'm over. But then you see the mountain. The mountains are like a thousand metres of climbing. You know, there's no sprinting over this sucker. I've just got to grind. And, and grinding is just, I define my pace and I, just, I need to slog at this. I need to punch the power out and just keep doing it. And, and this is the same in faith. There are seasons where we have to go up the hills and survive the grind. Where I'm believing without seeing, where I'm coming back and, and leaning back against God even though my feelings say something different. There are hills up. There are hills down where faith is easy, where you just see stuff and stuff, big things start to happen and your faith increases and more seems to happen. And whoever you touch and pray for and speak to, faith gets activated contagiously in them around. Miracles abound. It's a hill down season of faith. It's like, mate, we are flying. It's always going to be like this. But you forget there was a hill up that came before that. The hills up, hills down. There are barrier moments. There are barriers in this path of faith. And they don't go away. The interesting thing is the barriers to your faith never disappear. And we'll come across these barriers. There are events in our life. There, there are thoughts that stop us. And we are literally unable to proceed until we deal with this barrier. How do we do, it, do that? There are bridges of faith where there's new ways of thinking, new levels of relationship with God. And so this path has um, key waypoints along the way. There are key moments where once you get there, it's almost like there's no coming back now. It's like, no, I'm, I'm past the threshold now and my faith, my residual faith is at a level that's, that's not going back. But then the path looks much the same. It's just you're getting stronger and stronger as you go. So over the next two weeks, what I want to do is talk about hills up, hills down. That's next week. And today, talk about barriers and bridges. The barriers and bridges to faith. So question to you. Uh, and I'm not going to be interactive as much as I'd love to, I, I would love to know what sort of faith do you want to have? What sort of faith? What do you want to have with faith? What does that mean to you? Do you want to just keep... Well, the assumption there would be you, you are wanting to keep coasting in life. None of us want to keep coasting. But what do you want faith to look like? Do you want faith to look like, I see a problem... I can pray about that and God will bring an answer and he will alter that circumstance miraculously. I see a, a loved one uh, ill and I want to pr- be able to pray for them and know they're going to be healed. Do I want to see broken relationships restored? Do I want to see that as a normative part of my life and be able to deal with the wrestling and the turbulence where sometimes that seems to work and sometimes it doesn't, but it doesn't atrophy my soul when that happens? I mean, what does faith look like to you? Just rock-solid belief perhaps that God is real and God cares for me. That's enough for me because you might be swimming in doubts and wondering whether he even exists. And you'd just like to have enough faith to know he's real, I'll never have to question that. He's real, I'm going to be with him one day. That's a great waypoint along the journey, is just to have rock-solid faith. I tell you, no one can talk you out of that because a person without experience is never at the mercy of a person with another argument. You just, you just hit this threshold where you say, I'm never, I'm never turning back. I believe and I'm in. So today I want to talk about the bridges and barriers to that and what it could look like to have that sort of confidence. So let's talk about barriers. And these are barriers to having faith for something. Okay, so this is where the rubber really hits the road for all of us. These common barriers, there's common ones. Uh, Some are manageable and some are not so manageable. The ones that we manage all the time are things like, well, what about the questions that aren't answered? The things that don't make sense to me? 
Um, we manage, though. They're like a tension that's managed in my life. It's like, I'm, got, I'm grappling with that, but it doesn't stop me moving on. Um, or there's an uncertainty around the scope of your faith and how broad and, and long it should be. Should I believe for miracles or are they for yesterday? All that kind of stuff. They're manageable barriers, but some barriers are unmanageable in our life. They're literal crisis of belief stuff. And one of the major ones is this big, bad D word called disappointment. Disappointment in God. You remember the, um, the moment in, uh, in the Gospels where Jesus was talking to a crowd and uh, it says the power of the power of the Lord was there present to heal. Very interesting s- statement of, of Scripture. His, his power to heal is here today as well. That power is here. Will everyone get healed? Depends who goes forward for prayer. No one was going for prayer there. Sometimes you don't even need to do that. You can just be healed. Feel free to do that right now. Just be healed. But the, pr- the power was there. And no one was being healed and no one was asking for it. All there was was a cynical, disappointed uh, understanding of who Jesus was. They're thinking, we know this guy. We saw him grow up. We saw his nappies on the line. We saw his first chair that he made and his dodgy tar- chariot. You know, we, we knew Jesus when he was eight years old. Um, how, can you, how can you be the Messiah? And, so it's, and it says they were offended at him. And this offence, this residual disappointment in who he is and what he hasn't done in our life, based on who we consider him to be, because, and Jesus said, a prophet's without honour in his hometown in that same context. The only one who got healed were these guys who let, let their mate down through the roof. He got healed, he says, just provocatively, you know, your sins are forgiven, just to stir them up. Your faith has made you well. He loved just doing that, just to stir people up. Your faith has made you well. How does that work? So this disappointment, and this happens in our life when we're committed to a path, and this is a high-stakes thing for us. We've committed money, we've committed time and effort, and the path, it went nowhere. It's like we turned up, but Jesus didn't. John the Baptist, the classic example. Hey, I'll put it, Jesus, I'll put it all in the line. My whole life was spent telling people about how good you are and how you release the captive, and now I'm the one in jail. Like, honestly, I'm here, where you at? You can, and you can really resonate with the bitterness that's, that's brought forward the question, where, the disillusionment, because he thought Messiah equals Empire means we're going to wash away Rome, we're going to wash away all the corruption in government, he's going to fix the whole thing. And now I'm just stuck in jail and about to lose my head. You can just, and you can feel the bitterness. And, and you may well know that bitterness where you thought in all faith it was going to turn out a certain way and it just didn't. And Jesus, I can't get over that. What have you got to say about that? And you see how the posture changes where we're, we're, we're offended and we... We wait for him to prove himself as if Jesus has something to prove. And this is why he said to John's disciples who asked the question, look at all this. I'm not getting you out of jail, John, because that jail doesn't matter. Look at what you're seeing here. I am who I say I am. Now he expects us to grapple with that reality that this world is going to be imperfect and yet he is still who he says he is and he can do anything. But he's not going to do everything. Because that's not the agenda. That's a tough one for Christians to swallow. So what does he do? Don't know. Let's not have faith. And you see where this goes. We have to deconstruct our religion to come back to the low tide mark of what, what is valid belief. See, what happens here is we break, there's a circuit breaker happens in our head between the faith that we have and the faith in. We don't know now. It's like, I know intelligently what I'm supposed to believe, but I can't rely on it fully. And it's because the faith that we have is misplaced. God didn't come through. 
And so my faith in becomes very shaky. So disappointment's a big deal. I just don't know whether I have the faith to pray anymore because I prayed 10 times and it didn't work. I prayed for people's healing and they didn't get healed. So I don't know what to do with that. That's, that's disappointment. I don't know what to do with this stuff. And the other one is delay. The two real biggies is delay. It's like I felt God gave me a promise. I was 18 years old. I'm now 27 years old and it hasn't come true. And I don't know whether I can trust him anymore because now I'm getting old. And this calling on my life, I don't know whether it can ever come true. Because now, who cares about a 27-year-old? I'm old now, you know. It's the oldest I've ever been. It's like, this, is just, um, this is just my heart leaking here. This is the sort of stuff I said at 27. You know, and it's like the, the delay. The delay equals there's something wrong. And it's very hard to get past that. Abraham, for example, had a real problem with delay. As you know, 25 years of delay. Uh, come on, God, you gave me the promise. Where's the boy? And it just didn't happen. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I tell you, there are few things, few things in church and outside the church are sadder than a disappointed Christian and a disappointed church. Expectancy wanes, there's no joy. You know, and it's completely understandable. It's completely understandable, but it's completely unacceptable in Jesus' eyes. I get it, I've been through it, and I understand, but it's just not acceptable. He never lowered the bar. He never said, look, I understand, I know, I've disappointed you, and uh, I'll make that up to you one day, um, and I know you're, you're going to struggle with doubt all your life, but that's okay. He never, he never went there. He just said, I, I'm expecting you to believe. Man, Lord, can't you just compassion that just a little bit, just wrap that in some better words? He never, ever did. Just believe. And so the barriers when we find them, compel us to find a way around. It's like, I got, there's the barrier. I, I, I still need to carry on with my life, so how do I get around this thing? So we start figuring out new ways of thinking. Who else can I believe in? It's like, I can't wait for you, God, so I'm going to get on Tinder and find someone. Or, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong. It's just like, God didn't do it, so now Tinder has to. You know, it's like the default. Or it's, um, how, how else can I get what I'm after here. How can I make this calling happen in my life? And so on. It compels us to find a way around, but God's going to keep bringing us back because his path is only as wide as the barrier. There is no way around it. He brings us to this narrow, narrowing neck into the barrier moment where we need to deal with this barrier. And the key to faith in those barriers is to find peace, not a solution. There's a whole new level and way and, and type of faith that we need at that barrier moment. Because the solution is not to go around it. The solution is to get bigger than the barrier. So you can just step up and over it. It's to build that bigger foundation of trust. It's to come to the point where you go, I can't do this. Zelvin mentioned it. The songs were singing it today. I can't do this. This is in God's hands. And it's this peace surrender moment where, you get, where I'm okay. This is unsolvable. I've done all that I can. I can't make this happen. I seem to, all I'm, my efforts just seem to do is just propagate the reality of this thing that I can't get past. Jesus, it's in, over to you now. It's all up to you. And I'm good with that. However long it takes, whatever it looks like, I'm okay with that. I don't need to know what might have gone wrong. I don't know whether it's my fault or anyone's fault. I don't know whether it, it, there's fault anywhere. I'm just going to stand here in this place and I'm just going to worship you. I'm just going to worship and, and something happens in that moment, in, right in the face of the barrier. Jesus came to the 
point where he, he talked into this. He said, I, I have told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. He connects faith and peace, overcoming and peace. In this world you'll have trouble. I don't like it. I'm not bringing it. I'm going to have my dose of it too. Take heart, I've overcome the world. I'm stronger than all that. It doesn't matter what the barrier is. It doesn't matter what the turbulence and the problem is. It doesn't matter how big the need is. It doesn't matter how lonely you are, how broke you are, how much pressure you're under. None of it in the end will matter. The only thing that matters is can you find peace through him right there in that moment. I'm not asking. I could never put that to you. The scriptures are doing it. He says, I'm bigger than all of that. Have faith. But just as a few things are sadder than a disappointed Christian, few things inspire more than someone who can just believe regardless of the circumstances, who can still be in the darkness and sing, who can see trouble coming and just wink at it and go, bring it, because it's not going to make any difference to me. And our barriers just tend to remain until our faith grows to that point. Remember Abraham, we've used him many times the last few weeks. He hit that barrier. He just realized, I'm, just, I'm there. I'm there. Now, the promise didn't happen. It's been delayed. He had to find, ultimately find peace and belief in that place. And, that, and something happens in that moment where that peace then becomes the foundation of something altogether different. The bridge that gets over the barrier. The only way through the barrier is over the barrier. And to do that, it's, this is not something that humanity can make up. It's not something that the world can produce for you. Only God can do this. There are just some things in your life that he calls you to be a part of that only he can fulfill. And he builds a bridge over that barrier that only he can build. But that bridge is built on the foundations. Any bridge, doesn't matter what the span design looks like. There's, there's a million ways, but they all have the common thing. At both ends, there's a solid foundation that's been dug down deep, 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 that the pillars come up and then the bridge hangs off. So our job is to find that foundation, to find that peace so we can rise above. See, faith can know a storm is raging, but still sleep through the storm. The faith, that we, the faith in Jesus has, brings us the faith for what he's going to do. And you know the story, and we've used it many times, that the, the, the reality that the, the storm that Jesus slept through on the boat, the fact that it had no effect on him, meant that he could have an effect on the storm. So you, you can only have authority over the things that don't have authority over you. That's a spiritual principle. If you're in the turbulence of life and it's blowing you all around, there is no authority in your heart. There is no faith to deal with that. If you want faith for, you've got to get bigger than the thing that's blowing you around. So building the foundations. Let's get down to that. That's just all introduction. Let's get into the uh, 15 points that follow. In 2.8 minutes. <laughs> Okay, how do we build that foundation? There's a few key points. First one, and this is how we build. I did a bit more concreting yesterday. I get very excited when I concrete. Um, you, I, I think of spiritual things. I don't know why. It's like build the form and fill it with what God brings. It's, and it goes tough and hard and I can stand on that thing. The foundation for this bridge that we need to build over our barrier, number one is, is the reality of the sufficiency of God. The absolute sufficiency of God. No matter what the bridge is about, the bridge no longer matters. The barrier no longer matters. All that matters is God is all that I need. Just say, if I stop right here and none of this matters anymore to me, this foundation, bring it. When you've done all you've done to stand, you just stand. On what? 
him, the foundation, the sufficiency of God. He is everything I need. If nothing else happens, that's enough and more than enough. We trust that God alone will always have enough joy, peace, salvation for us. 2 Corinthians 12, 8, and I don't, want to, I don't want to just skim over this one. Let's just digest what Paul was saying here. Locked in prison, in a lot of pain, frustrated that his ministry stopped. Everything about him, he's been tormented by a thorn in the flesh. We're not really sure what that is, but it's a physical ailment that's bringing a spike of pain into his life. And he wanted it out. And he just says, three times. So this is a man of faith who's seen miracle upon miracle. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. I'm done with this, God. I can't function anymore. I can't think. I can't sleep at night. I can't do anything of any use for you. Get rid of this thing so at least I can be of some use to humanity. I pleaded. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, Paul, it's not about what you bring. I don't need any of that. My power is made perfect in the fact that you don't have any of it. My grace is sufficient. And that word for sufficiency is, is, means in the old days they had the big stone walls that come against the enemy. When the enemy would break through, that sometimes they'd punch a hole through the wall. And they would form a plug for the wall. And, that, and it had to be the perfect fit. That's the same word, sufficient. It was a sufficient fit. The perfect fit for the need at hand. My grace is a perfect fit for your problem. It's all that you need. It's going to plug the hole. I'm going to give you all that you need. And there he takes the growth path. He's not going to get stuck in this thing now. He's stuck. He's asked three times. I'm stuck, stuck, stuck. It's not working. Give up. No, he takes the growth path. I will boast all the more gladly then. This is his path. Therefore, based on what he said, I'm going to stretch this thing. I'm going to exercise my mind based on the reality of what God has said. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Rather than whining and whinging about it, I'm going to boast about it because they give me a space to create a formwork that God can fill with his power. That's the way he's thinking. I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power can rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness. Bring it on. He's going in insults, hardships, in persecutions. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Whew. Mate, you can't beat that guy. He's the devil's greatest nightmare right now because nothing the devil brings against him is going to make any difference. He's learnt the Jesus secret of sleeping through the storm. He's going, I'm over it. I'm, I'm literally over it. I've built the bridge. gotten over it. How do you know you've done that in your life? Well, you can, you can say something like that, for when I'm weak, I'm strong. So that's number one, the, the sufficiency of God. How's that going in your life? How's that working through? Number two is rely on the truth of his word. You literally, there is no way a, a Christian can get away from the fact that God's word must be true. God's word is true. Many uh, in our day are getting confused. They're, they're changing what they think is acceptable uh, in lifestyle, all these sorts of things. We're getting confused because we don't, be we don't know what we believe anymore. Hosea 4.6 says, My people perish through a lack of friendship through lack of knowledge, knowledge. We need to exercise our brains. There's nothing more dangerous, there's no more powerful weapon in the kingdom than a Christian who's thinking clearly, who understands their Bible, who gets scripture, who knows what it says. On the screen, there's a couple of great verses of that. Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So you can't just say, I'm gonna take bits and pieces of it. Jesus himself came and said, his word, it's true. Believe it or don't believe it, accept all of it or accept none of it, it's true. Proverbs 30, every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. 
And when you begin to fill your mind with truth and have faith in his word, know how to, how to interpret and read his word so it doesn't confuse. We begin to major on what he majored on. We believe for what he believes. He said, Jesus he would say, hold on to my teaching because the truth will set you free. When you get that truth in your heart, there's this freedom. The foundation begins to build in your life. And if you want to know what he's saying to you, bury yourself in what he's already said and you'll be able to hear his voice. Scripture, truth. That lets us then begin to build this bridge. And the bridge itself that we can walk over is a great experience. There's nothing like walking on a bridge of faith because now you're over it. You're just saying, I don't care what the storms are doing. I don't care what's going on in my life. I'm, I'm over all that now. The first element of that is to practice the presence of God. Practice hearing his voice. This is a great lost spiritual discipline, to practice the presence of God. That means I don't just go through my day having done my 10-minute quiet time in the morning, going, well, that's done, I'm good now. I've earned the right for him to be with me all day. You know? It's sort of not how it's supposed to work. It's, we're supposed to lean on him and, be, and breathe with him all day, hear his word. Lord, what are we doing here? How do I, how do I draw from your grace now in the middle of this high-stress meeting where there's millions of dollars at stake? All that kind of stuff is like... Practice his presence wherever you are. You don't leave him home uh, in your quiet time. In, this, in our story that we started with, Jesus said, oh, unbelieving generation. Faith uh, was the problem. And they pulled him aside later on and said, Jesus, why couldn't we fix that? You know, you've given us the authority. He's given you the authority. We know your word. You know his word. How come we can't do it? How come we can't do it? Do you ever ask that? Man, I ask that all the time. What do we have to do to be able to do this more? And he's saying, well, prayer and fasting are the answer. Oh, okay. Lack of faith is a problem. Prayer and fasting is the answer. Awesome. Now I've got the formula. Now I know if I just do that, he's going to do that. And we get that beautiful Western transactional theology that we all love. If I do this, God has to do that. He's not saying that. See, prayer and fasting draw us into a relational dynamic where our hunger is for him. That's the point. He's saying, if you want to have the faith to do all these things, it comes through this presence, this abiding, this intimacy that you get with me personally. It's nothing to do with knowing about me or, or how to play a game. It's about being in, engaged fully with me. This, if there is one missing element in the life of Western Christians, it's living from the presence of God moment by moment. That's called living by faith. Living from Him. All right. You know, the greatest, um, the greatest resources available to a Christian from God come from relationship. They're, they're relational dynamics. The sufficiency idea, the, the ability to hear him, the, the joy, the peace, the life that we all read about but find so hard to gain, they're relationally obtained. They come through a relationship. And now, I know the problem, it's not like you can see him. It's not like you can give Jesus a hug, is it? So we've got to cultivate a relationship with one that we can't see. But he says, you know, seek and you'll find. And so this relational aspect, if you wonder why we don't see what the Bible promises, it's because we haven't been able to cultivate a relationship with this one that we don't see. Because his idea of seeking and our idea of seeking, I think, is very different. I think there's a lot more that we can gain from just learning how to practice the presence of God and coming to him in faith. 
But don't do that in the absence of the other things, truth and knowledge of the sufficiency of God. I've seen people do this. They go, great, I'll, just be, I'll be the relational guy. I'll build my faith on what God says to me. And, and next thing you know, God said this and God said that and God said that. I go, man, you're, you're, you're on a constant download, but it sounds a lot like what you would say to you. It's like, what's with that? And half the things you say don't come true. What's with that? Oh, you don't doubt me because I'm hearing it from God. Whatever, it seems to go a long way away from truth in the Bible. And this idea that God is sufficient because when it doesn't happen for you, I notice that there's a train wreck that happens every time it doesn't come true for you. So you can't have that side in the absence of truth and sufficiency. Because this side where we're practicing the presence of God, sometimes it goes wrong. Sometimes we hear wrong. Sometimes we step out in faith and it doesn't quite work. And if we aren't founded on on sufficiency of his grace and the truth of his word, we will enter a crisis of belief. So you've got to have the foundation set first. You can't have one without the other. But normally we will defer to one or the other. But they're layered. Sufficiency of God, the truth of Scripture, upon that build practicing the presence of God. So I guess I'm going to wrap up. I need to wrap up. But what sort of faith... I've asked you the question, what sort of faith do you want? But what sort of faith does God want you to have? I'm not sure any of us are really going to answer that one. But if I, if I just read the book... If you just read what Jesus said, you know, you look at his response. We can focus on the negative, oh, unbelieving generation. But what about the centurion who came and he said, oh, I'll come and we'll pray. No, you don't need to, Jesus, I know. It's all under your authority. You've just got to give a wink, man, and that, thing, and that healing's going to happen. He's not even a Christian guy. He's just, he's a Roman, pagan. But he had faith. He, goes, he turns to the disciples and goes, man, that faith is greater than anything I've seen in Israel. That's the poster child right there. That's what I'm after, simple faith. Just believe, you know. He loves that stuff. He loved it when Peter says, you know, call call me out and I'll walk. Come on out, Peter. Have a walk in the water, mate. It'll be fine. (laughs) He loves that audacity. And some of us have had the audacity kicked out of us in life. And we've allowed that to to win. And it doesn't matter that Peter failed when he walked. But he had to get out of the boat. That was the point. Because he's on a journey. And he wouldn't always fail. But on the, on the pathway to truth, we bounce off the bumpers of error sometimes. We get it wrong. And he says, where was your faith, man? You're nearly there. Let's try that again. It's like, that's the life of faith. Don't be afraid to make some mistakes. If you've got the sufficiency and the truth thing squared away, then you're going to be okay, and we're going to be okay. But often in the darkest moment that you have, it's when he'll call you to believe. When that barrier is right there, that's when he'll say, we're not going anywhere now. I love you, I'll always be here with you, and I'm going to sit here right with you as well, but I'm going to call you right now to have faith. Guys, three years ago, three years ago, before years ago now, I sat in a really difficult ministry situation. It wasn't here, obviously, I was in a, a place, I'd, I'd gone up there to uh, believe in God's call to go and do a thing, and uh, had high hopes, and uh, anyway, it, it didn't go terribly badly in all fronts, but it, man, it was difficult. It was not what I was hoping for. Um, and I thought, well, this is where I end my days in ministry. You know, it was just very, very difficult. The church, you know, it was a different setting. We didn't have lovely buildings and smoke and lights and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was just really, really hard, you know. And um, we're struggling away, been hacking away there for three years. And uh, I was at a night service. We had a night service. There was only about eight, ten people there. And uh, the music was no good. To be honest, it was pretty hard to be there. And when you're a pastor, that gets, that's a hard setting. You're just sitting there going, we just keep turning up, you know. But they sung, a, sung that song, um, 
I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe you'll do it again. And I can't tell you that I got stirred up because I was disappointed. I was faithful. I was going to keep going. I wasn't going anywhere, right? I was committed. But man, I was disappointed. So my tide of faith had gone out. I knew he could, but apparently he wasn't going to this time. This, this one wasn't working for me. And I remember saying to Trish, I've never worked so hard in my life for so long to have something fail so completely. That's demoralising. And so you've got to get over that. And so I had. I'd gotten over that. And I was just there. Didn't have any faith, but we're just singing that song. But suddenly a gift of faith came in that very moment as we're singing that song. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe you're going to do it again. He gave me the belief. Suddenly it was like a word of knowledge. I'm going to do it again. And I no longer had the doubt. And I thought, what are you going to do again? I had no idea what he was going to do again. Just it. I'm going to do it again. I'm thinking, what's it? I didn't know whether to get excited. I just knew. I just knew God had said something very quietly, just enough that my heart that was sad was now happy. Suddenly, I've got faith. Suddenly, I believe. I thought, does it mean this church is going to explode? Does it mean 10 people are going to get saved? How do we measure you know, what means something to Jesus? I had no control over what was going to happen or how it might happen. And you have no control over your life. But what happened over the next six months was this. He made a way where there was no way. And this church, you know, I had the stupid kicked out of me in that process up there. And I learned that the only thing that matters besides God is people. And then when we have a local church like this, this church matters. It, it matters that this church matters. It matters that we ha- we're here for each other. That one person is always as important as a hundred. That we stop for the one. You know, I had the stupid kicked out of me. A dream of what God wanted to do before that looked like big and brazen and bold and all that kind of stuff. And he may want to do that, but does it matter more than one person? Nowhere near it. And it wasn't until I had that stupid kicked out of me that I was able to come and steward this beautiful thing that God's doing amongst us here. Will he do more? I, I don't care. What matters is that this church comes to life and you come to life in it and your kids come to life in it. That's all that matters. I'm going to do that again. And that's what he did. He did it. That's it. Again, people matter. A local church matters. doesn't need to be humongous. It just needs to be where people can come to life. It's funny, we're three years in and, and um, I was supposed to have a holiday then. I was supposed to have a four or five week break. I was overdue for it. Um, and instead of having a four or five week break, we planted this church. And I'm still waiting for that four or five year break. But um, that four or five year break... I'm actually worried if I take a two-week break, I might make it a five-year break, so I don't want to go there. Um, I really don't. um, But late last year, I was getting a bit tired. I was getting a bit weary again. Just because my own soul uh, maintenance wasn't going, I wasn't doing a good job of rest. That's no one's fault but mine. And we were tired. We were just getting really tired. But for three weeks in a row, until I realised what the Lord was saying, I was getting up in the morning, and it feels like Groundhog Day sometimes, doesn't it? You just get up the same cup, the same Barocca to get you through the day. Uh, you know, it's just like, you know what's going to happen next. And I'm singing this stupid 80s song. And, uh, and it's just, uh, I hadn't heard it on the radio. It's just one line. It's just banging through my head. And, it, and I, by four or five mornings, you know, I'm going, I hate that song. Like, why am I singing that stupid song? I didn't even enjoy the 80s, to be honest. And there's this song. 
And three weeks of that in, I'm thinking, surely a hymn's going to come at some point. But no, it was this dodgy 80s pop song. Nothing spiritual about it, you know. Then I finally thought, what is that song? And it's like, crystal clear. Don't stop believing. Do, 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 do. Remember the little riff up? Do, 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 do. I knew the riff because I could play it. Don't stop. And I thought, don't stop believing, baby. And, and as soon as I, as, and the song has never come back since. As soon as I recognized what God was saying, don't stop believing, Pat. Just because you're tired, don't stop believing. I'm going to do it again. We're not there yet. Keep going. And just knowing that God speaks into your heart gives you faith. It, gives, it gets you happy again. You think, I'm not alone with this thing. We're not alone. Your problem in your life that, that is a barrier in your life, you don't have to do it as if you're alone. You're not alone. He's there. He's with you. He can give you everything that you need, and he will. And once that barrier no longer matters, you're now bigger than that barrier, and over you go. Barriers, bridges. That's our lesson for today. Let me pray for you as the band comes up. I want to pray faith into us. Father, we just pray in your presence, you're the one who does it all. Lord, I pray the gift of faith would drop like pearls from heaven into the hearts of all those who need it right now, who have been so frustrated, who don't even know how to believe anymore. I pray that you would drop into their heart, Lord, seeds of faith. I pray that you'd return joy to their heart, the expectation that you would call that which is not as if it already is and they can rejoice right now before it even happens. The testimony of this story that plays out will be one where they rejoiced before they saw the miracle. That they rejoiced because you gave them faith. Lord, I pray you'd release faith in this house today. Faith for incredible things. Faith for relationships restored. Lord, faith for breakthroughs in workplaces. Father, faith for kids to be saved. Faith for debilitating disease to be broken. We cancel out our obligation to unbelief and we replace it with faith in you. Faith for the greater thing. Release your faith as we worship you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 